Good day to you. Welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast. We are rediscovering the ancient way together. Friends, thanks for joining me today. Um, We have been traveling. We went out of state uh, for several days. So I am, man, I am ready to record some stuff. I've had, I guess, four days now of not having anything um, recorded in audio form. Oh, man, we were down in Georgia. We were visiting some friends and and taking care of some business down there. And um, we were in the area where we live for, I don't know, 15 years? Longer, I guess. I don't know, around there. And uh, it's always so good to go back to a place that you put down some roots and uh, really encounter the Lord. For us specifically, um, I was born again when we lived there. Um, We had our son there. Uh, I was miraculously healed from my stroke 10 years ago there. Uh, Man, it's just, it's chock full of encounters with the Lord and life-changing experiences. So man, I just love going back. And of course, I love our friends uh, who who still live back there. So we really had a good time. Now, friends, I hope you're doing well today. Are you spiritually maturing? Are you growing? In any way in your life, are you slacking off? Are you slumbering? Friends, don't do it. Don't do it. Be aggressively set towards whatever it takes to grow, to mature as a son. Turn off your television. I'm saying that I know all the time, but man, I just see it everywhere I go. Entertainment devours spiritual maturity. It devours it, friend. Now, am I saying you can't turn on a ball game every week or two? I don't know. Everybody's house is different. I'm trying to ask the Lord to teach me in that. Like, okay, so these deep convictions I have, maybe it's just for me. I don't know. You know, maybe the the priestly home in like certain incremental measure isn't for every home. I don't know. For so long I've said this is for everyone. I just, man, I don't know. But what I do know is every single one of us should be on a continuing, increasing, perpetual maturation in the in the things of the spirit man leaving behind the ways of the world listen friends if we are really what the bible says for the regenerated christ man if that's in fact who we are then friends we better be looking more like the messiah every night we lay our head down we better look more like him when we go to bed tonight than we look like him when we got up this morning isn't that just a simple elementary principle for any one of us. We advance our own endeavors, careers. We teach our children. We hopefully train our children, have an ordered house, wash our wives with the water of the word. We study, hopefully. We put precedence on the spiritual man. Friends, we've got to do that. Listen, sit down and analyze your life. If you are not doing that, man, stop waiting. 
Don't worry about New Year's resolutions and like this year I'm going to read the Bible all the way through and all those things. I'm talking about a spiritual man. Listen, in our whiteboard teaching this morning, okay, so like let's just get, I mean, present moment. All right, so this morning we were in Galatians 5. And this is just such a simple principle, okay? So let's just start here. And this isn't what I want to talk about today, so i got to move through this. Walk according to the Spirit. Run your lives. Be governed by, be moved by, be fueled by the capital S Spirit, the Holy Spirit, okay? Then, okay, anytime you see then, even in just any modern English this isn't a Bible. This isn't a Bible doctrine. When you see then, <laughs> you're saying, if and when you do this action, then there will be a result. Okay, so the scripture says, walk according to the Spirit. Live towards the Spirit. Live out of the unction of the Holy Spirit. Then you will not do what your old nature wants. And I I explained to my son this morning how my whole life, my whole Christian church upbringing told me sin, bad. Sin's bad. Don't sin, Joel. If you sin, A, God's mad at you. B, you're like, you're, you're hurting Jesus. You're hurting him. And God's totally ticked. So you better not sin now, Joel. Don't do it. And it just painted this skewed view of God the Father. I didn't know Jesus as he was, as my mediator, great high priest, sympathizing for me. Man, nobody taught me any of those things that I remember. Everybody at the church just scared everybody else into what? Making, quote, a decision. There were plenty of decisions, but there wasn't any principle from Galatians 5 about walking according to the Spirit. Now, I had heard that my whole life, but okay, well, what does that mean? Nobody talked about being moved by the Spirit, like in the way that I understand it now. A supernatural, like, activity and empowerment from from something from God himself that when Messiah ascended and he said, I'm sending, I'm sending you a gift. I'm sending you power that's going to clothe you from on high. It's going to wrap you up in power. And you're going to go out and you're going to do even greater things than I, the God-man, did because it's boundless. It's limitless. The Spirit of God will be in you. And you got to understand, those people would have known temple, tabernacle, um, realities. They knew what the presence of God in a temple meant. Oh, man. I mean, that's what they studied, right? They studied the Old Testament scriptures. Hello, that's all they had. (laughs) They weren't reading 1 John, y'all. They were reading the accounts of God with men. That's how the church was converted, the law, the prophets, the, the prophesied fulfillment of Messiah. All of those things culminating into a present moment where it all came together, it all made sense, and they would have understood much more so than most casual Christians know today 
that, oh my gosh, eternal Yahweh's, his presence can now indwell me? The same Yahweh God of Israel that filled temples with smoke and clouds and pillars of fire and shook the earth? Whoa. Yes, please. Amen. So be it. How And how? By faith. By faith, y'all. The faith of, you know what? This is true. I believe. Not just, hey, ask Jesus into your heart, little Timmy. Here he comes. Knock, knock, knock. Open up your little heart. No way. Friends, we've got to make this the solar system size event that it is. The regeneration of any man. Man, I hope that you know that. I hope that you've had that and not a mere heart invitation. I say this all the time. Yeshua cannot indwell a heart of stone. He can't. It's got to come out. Okay, so, all right. So that's not at all what I was going to talk about today. Here's where I am today, and I've been, I've been meditating on this for four days now. Um, well, longer. Goodness, it's already Thursday when I'm recording this. Okay, so, man, i got to gather my thoughts on this one. All right, so I heard a message over the weekend that was somewhat topically light. Um, You know, I've learned, man, I'm a grown man. I I give myself to, to men preaching, teaching, ready to glean whatever God would say through a brother. Um, so I was attentive. I was, I was locked into what was going on, but all of a sudden it culminated in something just got my train of thought really, really churning. Um, basically towards, he was, he was talking about this, the account of Yeshua and the death of Lazarus. Again, I'll remind you, I'm driving. I can't read the text. So we all know the story. This, this dear friend of, of Yeshua, he's, he's very sick. He dies. Yeshua just seemingly, you know, hey, I, I'll get there, but I'm in no big hurry. Isn't that just how, how the Messiah works? He's not worked up. He's not hurrying to get anything done. <laughs> he's resting in faith, not based upon mere circumstances and the, the timelines of men. We've got to unplug from our clocks, friend. Well, I have to go to bed at 11. I've got to sleep at least till 6. I've got to eat at 7. You know what I'm saying? I've got to go do this, and if I don't, you know, we've just got to, we've got to what? Okay, let's simplify everything. We've got to hear what the Father's saying and do what we see Him doing. You know, let's just make it easy, because that is, in fact, what the path of the firstborn of many brethren is. Hearing and speaking, seeing, then doing. And so, Yeshua, he just says, you know, hey, okay, got it. I love Lazarus. Come on now. I love y'all. I'll take care of it. It'll be fine. And we know that he goes, well, good job, Yeshua. Lazarus died. First thing he encounters, 
well, sure wish you would have been here. This wouldn't have happened. Now, they had a belief. They had a faith, right? I mean, let's not be hard on them. They had an expectation and a belief and an understanding and faith that if Yeshua, in fact, had been there before he died, he could have made him well. And so let's not be hard and say, well, all those people have no faith. No, they had some faith. Listen, they probably had more faith than you and I, right? They probably had more faith than the modern-day church, so let's not be so hard on them. They knew, although he was deathly ill now, that if Yeshua came, he would be fine. He would be made well. He would be restored. They knew that. That's what they said. In their harshness, let's also see what they did possess. You can come. Come now. Hurry. He's dying. Well, Yeshua gets on the scene. Like I said, good job. Good job, Yeshua. Messiah, healer. It's too late. You missed it. There's crying, there's sadness, weeping and wailing is what it says. Grieving. Grieving the death of their loved one, their brother. And, and I've always heard most of my life, and, I, and I've talked to several brothers about this who have heard alter, alternative views of the what's and why's and the how's of this, of this account, but I don't remember somebody speaking out of, a, out of a position of what this brother shared over the weekend. And, and this really resonated with me. This seems to make sense to me. So Yeshua comes, and we know the verse that gets to where it says that, that Yeshua wept. It says he, I, there's, you know, depending on what version you use, he was troubled in his spirit. He was grieved. Okay, now, now what I've always heard my whole, my whole life is, well, we're told clearly that Yeshua loved Lazarus. He gets there. There's a lot of emotion. Everybody's sad and weeping, and, and we see great comforter, compassionate Messiah. Well, he, he's grieving with his friends for his dear brother Lazarus, who's now dead. And I have always said this, but nobody's ever really been able to, to appropriately answer my question. I think maybe until this weekend for me and my current understanding is, well, if Yeshua knew, because he made it clear, look, guys, he's only sleeping. And we already know that Yeshua had the faith to look at any circumstance, see it for what it was going to become and not just what it was. He had the ability to, through the eyes of faith, see something at its culmination at, and, and fulfillment of its purpose instead of just what the circumstance in that present moment said. So he makes it clear, well, he's just sleeping. Okay, well, why would Yeshua be totally grieved in his spirit, distraught, and then weeping and wailing? And again, not just like a little sniffle. The wept part is like he is, he is emptying out his emotions. Grieved. And so this brother over the weekend presented, what if, what if Yeshua was grieved because yet again, and I'm going to paraphrase my own version, if you will, of course. What if he was just grieved at what he saw? What did he see? Not just a dead body. Yet again, he saw his followers, his friends, those he considered his family. Yet again, empty of faith. That was necessary. 
the level of faith that was necessary to maybe, could we say, even present what had, what had happened, which was the death of his friend. They weren't getting it. You don't get it, people, you little faith people. How long do I have to be with you? I would say, present day understanding, he was so grieved and troubled because yet again, people who professed to be walking in his ways and know him as he was revealing himself were yet again choosing to walk in unbelief. Waiting on him to do it. Oh man, there's so much within that. This church age is just saying, hey, move me out of the way, Yeshua. I can't do anything. If you want to do it, you just come and do it. Man, even in our best efforts, we remove ourselves, our own responsibility, our own purpose of what? Of being the many brethren. Back where we started 10 minutes ago, Yeshua left and sent the Holy Spirit. Why? To indwell men and to empower men to do what he did and even greater things. And so if all we're doing is waiting for historical Jesus to somehow supernaturally sweep in and just get everything done on his own, friends, it will not happen. Because you know what he's saying? Hey, how about you do something? How about you speak something in faith into a circumstance on my behalf, through my power, through my strength, according to my spirit in you, Do it. Do something. Do something. Now, it's this false humility. Well, who am I? It's not about me. I can't do anything. It's all Jesus. And it it just removes any responsibility for the actual um, vessel of clay to be found worthy of being indwelled by the Spirit of God to accomplish His works. And so therefore, things are not getting done in the spiritual sense because men, mankind, those in Yeshua, they're just waiting for him to show up and do it. I would say in this present moment, what I feel the Lord's saying is stop just waiting for Yeshua to come in and take care of business you should be handling as a spiritual man. I thought that we are him as he is. I thought that's what the Emmanuel reality was to birth into the earth, was to the multiplicity of God-men. I thought we're told we are the same. I thought that's what Yeshua taught. Is that not so? The men who went out when, when, when they were sent and they came back with the report, what did they say? Holy cow, even the demons bow their knee to this name of Yeshua. Now, was Yeshua there? I mean, okay, so if my understanding and memory is right, Yeshua is still a natural man on the earth. Was he there? I don't believe he was. These men went out, what? In the name, in the power of the name. Same as Yeshua being there in the natural as the God-man. Same result. They couldn't believe it. Friends, we've got to get that today. Yeshua, the natural God-man, is not coming to your fellowship today. He's not coming to your house. 
He's not walking alongside you at the grocery store ready to heal people if you ask him to. Do you hear what I'm saying? He is in you should you be regenerated. Born again. If that's in fact you now. And if you don't know, you may not be. If you don't know if that's true for you, you may not even be indwelled by the Spirit of God. You might not have a heart of flesh in the Ezekiel reality. That might not be you. Friends, we need to know. Now listen. During our our days away, as we traveled, I'm telling you, we are, man, we're infatuated with the intersection reality right now. We were walking through the grocery store at 9 o'clock at night, which is very (laughs) abnormal for us, but when you travel, you do weird things, especially with an 8-year-old. I'm not a big proponent of 8-year-olds being up till late at night but so it was strange for us so anyway we're walking through I noticed early on this lady kept staring at us now because of uh, just other things that's somewhat normal for us and it all boils down to clothing which is fine with me there's a lot within that I won't even go there we are an identifiable distinct people on purpose and so that is in some measure is normal But there's only three of us, so we can kind of slide in and out of a lot of circumstances um, without much much attention. But it even happened last night. But anyway, that's a whole other story. So we're in the grocery store. I see this lady. She's on her cell phone in like aisle one, and she just keeps looking at us. I took notice of it. I'm like, okay, what's the deal? Um, We saw her again ten minutes later, five, six aisles over, and she looks at us again. And then another 10 minutes on the complete other side of the store, she's not on the phone, and she comes up to me, and she says, she goes, I'm sorry, but like, are y'all, do y'all deal with food allergies in your home? Um, do you have to deal with food allergies with your family? She must have seen the, the items we were buying um, because our son has, has food allergies. So you have to buy all these crazy products that, you know, just a lot of people don't buy. And so I'm like, well, yeah, you know, we do, you know, egg, dairy, corn, whatever. So Kristen comes over and we start talking. And uh, she and Kristen, man, Kristen has just been, she's been an allergy food mom for eight years. And so she just has compassion on this lady. She's hugging her. They're both crying. (laughs) And this lady, in the nutshell, is just, she's distraught. I don't know what to do. She had just found out her six-year-old daughter has a laundry list of food allergies. I won't get into all that. But listen, it culminated in like, you know what? This is great and good. We can give you all this advice. We can give you recipes. We can give you brands that make food that's safe for your daughter, and we can encourage you. It's going to be fine, and go to this doctor and do this and do that. But listen, all that stuff, it doesn't mount to jack squat beside the power of the name of Yeshua. And he's the healer. And I, you know, go to doctors. Take medicine. Go through allergists. Do all that stuff. That's fine and good. But like, listen, there is a name above every name and he's a healer and I know him. Okay, so I, that's all I'll share about that. We had another experience the next day. 
praying for a, 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 a friend, acquaintance from years back. She's very sick. Look, I'm not okay with that. I'm not cool with that. I heard through, I heard secondhand that she was sick. And so I'm like, man, is there any way we can see her? I walk into this business and she's there. So I'm like, well, we're going to pray. Another friend of ours from way back in this business, she has anointing oil, I guess, in her house or in her car, I mean, or in her purse. I don't know. She goes, Joel, do you want some anointing oil? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so we're praying healing in the name of the power of Yeshua right there in the stinking business. And you know what? Who cares what's going on? Who cares? Why? The gift of faith. Are we super evangelists? No way. Are we super hyper, you know, go to this conference and go to that conference? Nope. Are you reading a book about healing and how to do it in seven steps? No, sir. You know what it is? The name. The name. When the power of the name of Yeshua is your banner, you know what, friends? Things are changing. Healing's coming. Freedom's coming. Change in ourselves and change in any person that God would lead us to, you know what? It's right there in the name of Yeshua. I'm telling you, we've got to walk in this reality. All right, I've got to bring this to a close already. I can't share half the things I was going to. All right, so I also thought of Jairus and his daughter. Okay, so we're, we're talking about Yeshua feeling, I would say, just like grieved. I can't believe y'all have no faith, or not at least the faith that you could be walking in, in what I'm teaching you at that time. Right here and now, I'm showing you that. You're seeing me speak these words. <laughs> You're seeing signs and wonders by my hand, and I'm telling you, you know what? This is for you to do. He was grieved. He wept. He was, he was so discouraged by their lack of faith. And so I thought of Jairus' daughter. In that whole circumstance, we all know the story there too. Yeshua shows up on the scene. What's happened? Well, the girl has died. She's dead. He says what? Again, a similar thought. She's sleeping. And everybody's like, oh, no, she's not. She's dead, Master. Oh, Rabbi, she's dead. If you only would have come. Same scenario, I am sure. If only you had been here. They're all weeping. One study I remember I did five, six years ago said they used to hire people to come and weep and mourn. It was a profession. I don't know if that's true or not. That's possible. But the whole room was full of people just weeping. What now? Okay, so if we're talking about Jesus, Yeshua, fully God, fully man, I would think, hey, can we say he had emotion? Yes. One emotion? We see with Lazarus. He's just troubled in his spirit. Grieved. Lack of faith. In this instance, I would say, he was ticked off. He wasn't having it. He said, what did he say in that circumstance with Jairus' daughter? Hey, Get everybody out. Get out of here. Nothing can happen here while y'all are in the room. You are prohibiting life. With your grieving, with your weeping, with your wailing, get out. And he cleared the unbelief, right? I would say in a rightful anger, get out of here. <laughs> 
You're hindering the work of my Father. Friends, we've got to have that in our lives. We've got to have that in our lives, friend. We have got to look at circumstances that look like death. It looks like it's over. Friends, we have no right. Okay, now again, if we are kingdom people, born of the water, born of the Spirit, and already regenerated Christ men, if that's in fact who we are, and the kingdom of God is our abode, we cannot in any way ever say, well, Jesus, if you just would have been here, what a disappointment. If only Yeshua would have done this miracle, if only Yeshua would have accomplished, accomplished these purposes, hey, whatever, no way. Friends, there is a responsibility upon the priestly Christ men to do the priestly functions on this earth. The government of God is, look, listen to this, friends, and then I'm going to bring this to a close for sure. I believe the Lord is saying this right in this second. Listen, please. There are vacancies in the government of God. Listen to what I'm saying. There are vacancies. There are seats open in the government of God. Friends, we've got to fill these seats. We've got to fill these seats. Yahweh God gave mankind the ability to rightly govern his statutes, his law, on a natural earth. Ambassadors, representatives, priests, carrying out his government on the earth. Friends, there are vacancies in the government of God. Listen, brothers, it's time for us to fill these seats. It's time for us to take our rightful place in humility. We are nothing but the, but the elders casting down our crowns. Look, we've been given a crown. We've been given authority. We've been given a, a place. We've been given a chair to sit in. But listen, it's a gift. It's a gift. It's not mine. Everything I am, every strength, every ability... Every good thing, I cast it down at the feet of the master. It's his. It's his. But friends, listen, but we have been given something to do. We've been given something to do. Friends, will you do it? Man, I'm telling you, I think this earth is groaning. It's groaning for the priest kings. It's groaning for the manifest sons. It's groaning for a culmination of the ages of people who will say, you know what, I am casting aside the ways of the world. I'm casting aside fashion and entertainment and busyness and culture. I'm shedding it all off. I'm shedding it off. I will be a priest. I will go into the most holy place. I will intercede. I will. I'm going to do that, friend. Please do that. Please do that. There are vacancies in the government of God. So, friends, be encouraged. Let's be people who, you know what? When we do whatever comes to us, whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, where faith beyond our own understanding 
is necessary, we choose it. We walk in it. We say, you know what? Hey, it isn't about me. No way, it's not. But I am an ambassador. And my banner is the name of Yeshua. It's all in the name, friends. Every power ever necessary for every circumstance is available to us in faith, in humility, but in faith. Amen.